check, check. Microphone check. All right. You're working for me? A little quiet. Good morning. Did anybody notice how lovely the smell of the rain is out there? Yeah. So the morning sessions and the afternoon sessions will um, be very similar in the sense that there will be a, a sort of setup. So there'll be some uh, overview of practice instructions, and then there'll be a guided practice. And at the end of the session, Cheryl will introduce walking instructions. Somebody who. Some of you had asked about that last night. So, where to begin? So when we are working with the mind, which is what you're going to be working with every moment from here on out for the rest of your life, (laughs) uh, we really want to be able to approach the mind in a way that is A, pragmatic, so having some basic understanding for the operating system that we were born into can be helpful. Uh, and so also having some degree of um, cooperation is key. Cooperation is actually really at the root of things like kindness, compassion, empathy. Some of these Buddhist terms we use often can sound sort of loaded. I know that for me, loving kindness and compassion sound like lofty ideas. So sometimes it's good to get down to what is it, what's the nugget of that that we can work with, and so we're really trying to cooperate with the mind. And so when we're training in practice, especially mindfulness practice, which is one of the core practices that we'll be working with all week, mindfulness practice, vipassana practice, insight practice, all these words that we use, we'll probably use some of them interchangeably, are are kind of all pointing to the same thing. And they're pointing to this dare I say, present moment experience. I actually don't believe that there's such thing called the present moment because it's moving really quickly. But really remembering to recognize. So there's a remembering to recognize the present moment experience and that is that you are here in a body. There's a body. There's a mind. There's five physical senses. There's a whole wide range of experiences available to us in every single moment. But we find probably very quickly and to some degree frustrated at times, that we're always just in the mind. The mind as a sense organ. Thinking, the brain, thinking thoughts. And that's where most of our attention goes. And we we cut off from the direct experience. We cut off from the present moment experience and we go into the conceptual, abstract, past, future, should be like this, shouldn't be like that evaluation, self-assessment, the world out there, all of that kind of thing. It just, it just cuts us off from the present moment experience. And we're not here. We're lost in our, in our minds. And this is really where 
you know, Cheryl mentioned it last night, this is where the suffering is. A lot of suffering in the mind. So we have to train ourselves to break that kind of addiction, to break that habitual, learned response of just living in our world of our thoughts and our concepts and our ideas and our imaginations and all of that, whatever that is. You know what that is. You've been there. At the same time, we don't want to build a derogatory attitude towards the mind. It's not like all of that's bad and wrong and we need to stop doing it. We just have to recognize that there's a consequence, there's a price to pay for not being present. And so in every moment, we have to kind of negotiate how much effort, how much energy, how much intention can we put into this practice of being here. And so for this, for this morning, we're going to work with really attention is probably the most, from a Buddhist pr- perspective and also from a neuroscience perspective, it's fairly uh, clear that attention is probably the most valuable function that the mind performs. Attention is your greatest commodity. And it's in every moment of experience. You'll never find a moment of experience. It's a universal mental factor. So it's always there. And it's always taking on a type of an object. Right? And I don't know about your mind, but my mind likes to take on the thinking object. That's the object I take on. The thinking object, I go down that rabbit hole... And I wake up and go, oh my God, it's pretty nice around here. I didn't even notice the aspen trees. I was too busy thinking about how terrible my high school years were. <laughs> 24 years ago. How am I doing in, why am I paying attention to that object? <clears throat> so we want to learn how to bring our attention to very, very simple, basic objects. And as you probably all know, practicing one of the most basic objects that we use is the breath, breathing. Breathing in, breathing out, feeling the sensations of of the breathing body. It's a very time-tested, very reliable, suitable meditation object. It's not the only meditation object. But we kind of start with that. So there's the breathing body. There's the body itself, the body as a global phenomenon, so there is a body. Joseph Goldstein did a talk recently on that that I heard that was amazing, and he's been using this practice for a long time. There is a body. There is a body. Sometimes some of us walk around most of our lives banging into door jams because <laughs> we don't realize there's a body. We were a head without a body. You ever feel like you're a head without a body? So just the remembering to recognize there is a body will bring you back, bring you back to the five physical senses. So we can use the breath, breathing in, breathing out. That's a great sensation. Sound is probably my, especially in a beautiful place like this, is one of my preferred meditation objects because sound makes the mind really wide. And, and, and having some width in the... Mental landscape is really, really good. Hearing the bird that's half a mile through the trees makes my awareness spread out and I feel wide, I feel more relaxed. So I can breathe that in, I can breathe that out, I can invite the sound in. So I usually try to be very liberal because I would say, and I think Cheryl would probably agree with me, the object is not necessarily, the chosen object is not necessarily all that important. 
the reason we choose an object and the reason we hearken the mind towards a particular object is A, we want to choose an object other than thinking and it trains the mind to stay out of there. And the more we can clock and the more we can kind of cultivate present time awareness, continuity of awareness, what happens as we train our attention is the momentum, we start actually cultivating on the other side of this training, all this awareness starts to accumulate. And so by training the attention to be more present, we actually cultivate awareness. And, and then awareness becomes sort of our best ally. But if we can't train our attention, and our attention is just jumping around from object to object, looking for the better object, where's the better object? The better, the better, where's the better? That's craving, that's that kind of clinging, that's, that, that's where we get activated. And the mind is always looking for the better object. And so we want to just really be careful that we don't start jumping around so much. Because the mind does that. It's interesting that I think that we live in a world that has identified attention disorder. You know? And so we're, we're, all of us have to deal with this on some level, trying to train the attention to be more present. So in our practice of doing so, there's a couple of things I want to point out. Is It's all good. It doesn't really matter. Because what happens is, for myself and for people over the years, I've noticed that so, so if this is my attention and this is, say, my breath, I put my attention on my breath and I try to hold my attention on the breath. And we really privilege this experience. We think, this is meditation. I'm with the breath. But what happens? We wander. And then we can become aggravated or frustrated or I'm not with the object. This is actually the practice. Oh, I'm, I'm lost. I'm thinking. I'm gone in my mind again. This is mindfulness. I'm aware. Oh, I'm not present. I'm not here. I'm not with my body. I'm not with my breath. This is actually a moment that you should celebrate. Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to wake up. And what happens is, I did this training a couple months ago called Cultivating Emotional Balance, and I learned this very interesting thing that's really changed my practice, is that if I associate this with a negative experience, then my mind is less likely to do it again. So I kind of build this anti-mindfulness habit. I don't want to wake up because I, somehow I've associated it as being negative or bad or wrong or some sort of not meditating right. So this is good. Being with the object and being present here is good. Wandering off is also fine and okay. Recognizing that you've done that is also really good. I would actually privilege this moment over this one. I just woke up. I just woke up. I just realized. And then I just gently, friendly, kindly, cooperatively return my attention back to the object. This is everything. Ah, no, it's no big deal. A little forgiveness, a little humility, a little kindness. I just woke up, and then I come back. So in this little sequence of events, none is better than the other. It's all practice. It's all really, really good practice. And so if you have to do this 3,000 times today, that's really good practice. Trying to get your mind to stop wandering and trying to stop thinking is like trying to get your ears to stop hearing. <coughs> it's like me telling you, I want you to all to not hear the sound of this bell. <laughs> Don't hear it. <laughs> it's 
same thing. It's just an organ. It's what the organ does. So as we kind of work with these things, we just want to remember to recognize the present moment experience. And that's whether I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing the breeze on my skin as I walk outside. I'm recognizing the wonderful smell of the rain. I'm recognizing my in-breath. I'm recognizing my out-breath. I'm recognizing that I'm not recognizing any of the things I just said because I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I get back and all the stuff I didn't get done before I came here. Ah, wake up. Wake up, celebrate. I got it. I caught my mind. And, no big deal, and gently return back. Is that, is that as clear as I want it to be? Okay. That's so important, I think. And I think the thing that's most destructive in meditation habits is the association that this is somehow negative or bad or wrong. Or, it's just not. It's actually what you came here to do. So not only is it not bad or wrong, it's to some degree, I would say, the goal. It's to wake up. All right, so as you work, and we all have varying degrees of abilities and skills. Some of us are better at concentrating than others. Some of us have different wandering minds for different reasons. Some of us might have some traumatic stress or some different things that make the system a little bit more difficult to navigate. So when we really work with the objects today, is, is Cheryl and I both have a fairly liberal attitude around um, what you come back to and how you come back. So usually what I'll try to do is, is in the morning, so I don't give you too liberal of an idea, is I usually work with, with breathing, mindfulness of breathing. We'll try that out in the guided practice. Mindfulness of the body, the full range of the body. The body has a global experience, or some of you are familiar with the body scanning. So there can be a local experience of the body, the forehead, the nose, the jaw, the chin, the throat, the shoulders, the rise, of, rise and fall of the breath, rise and fall of the breath biceps, elbows, forearms, wrists, hands, fingers. You know, you can chop it up as much as you want to. The body, the Buddha gave us 32 anatomical parts. And if that's too much, just go with the body as a global awareness. Temperature, gravity, whatever allows the mind to really actually touch the present moment experience. This a polytrum paso, which means contact. So we try to make contact with the present moment experience. Your body is actually a portal to the present moment. It's right there every time. The body only does right now. And so you have this body, you have five physical senses that are all a portal. Back, back, back. The only, of all the senses, you have five physical senses, one mental sense. The mental sense is the time traveler. You do have a time machine. I suggest <laughs> that you do not use it. It's fun and exciting and important as it might feel at times. Because the body can't go with the mind. The body's here in this room, on this retreat. And so don't abandon your body to your concepts and your ideas and your hopes and your fears and your wishes and your should-have-beens and wish-I-had-dones and better-be-likes and all of that distraction. So I think that's all I want to say. That's, I hope, as clear as I want it to be. And really, this is as we're here, day one, we're arriving, we really just want to get these, these fundamental skills. 
And I've been working with these fundamental skills for a long time, and I still find them to be some degree challenging. And so it's really the nuts and bolts of practice, of really just coming back, coming back, and then watching as, as you can, as I'll include in the practice, as the attitude, not making a bad attitude about how it's going. So when we're cultivating awareness, which is what you're doing on this retreat much of the time, is to cultivate awareness. We're not here to evaluate our experience. You know, because the mind likes to check in and go, so, uh, how's it going down there? Not too good. (laughs) Your back hurts. You're thinking all the time. I don't really think you're very good at this. (laughs) You know what? You're really not good at anything, actually. (laughs) That's the evaluator. You didn't come here to evaluate your experience. You came here to cultivate awareness. And you'll find that you'll kind of slip back and forth between those two. And I don't know about you, but my internal evaluator is very harsh and critical. Not a very benevolent creature, my internal evaluator. He reminds me of like Agent Smith from The Matrix or something like this really (laughs) uptight guy with a black suit and a black tie, just like... Just letting me know how every other moment is just not doing, not going well. So we have to kind of unhook from that. We don't want to trust that. We don't want to trust that kind of this, this destructive way of operating, which we all have to some degree because of our conditioning and the world that we grew up in and this uh, overly focus on self and not doing it right. And we really just want to trust the practice. And so you can, if you notice that happening a lot, you can just notice when you're thinking or lost in your mind. Just even maybe saying thinking and then come back. And then come back. And then come back. And just trusting that the coming back will serve. It will serve you. Even if what you're coming back to is maybe unpleasant or challenging. So we're going to sit with that practice, and I'll, and I'll guide you through a direct practice of everything I just sort of mentioned. But I do want to say just a few words about posture, and see if Cheryl has anything to add. Is actually when you sit, so you can sit however you want to. We have chairs, we have cushions. If you're not used to sitting like this all the time regularly, maybe sit in a chair some of the time. Um, it doesn't actually matter how you sit for the most part. So you can sit in a chair, you can sit on a cushion, you can go back and forth if you need to. Take care of your body. Don't force yourself into a, some excruciating experience. If you do sit like this, there's a couple of suggestions that I'll give that I have found to be helpful. I'm a pretty big dude, so my body is oftentimes unpleasant to be in. So when I sit cross-legged, one thing I like to do is, this is a very common way to sit, is to pull one leg in and then put the other one in front of it. And I can sit like this actually for, for really hours without too much trouble. So this is a really uh, good way to sit. It's a lot of times better than putting the leg up. You really don't want it. You don't want your legs on top of each other. That becomes painful. So one in back, one in front is really quite good. The other thing you can do that I like to do is if, I, if this becomes uncomfortable, I'll just take one leg and turn it out, which is a very sort of Burmese village position where you just kind of take one of the legs and just sit like this. Now, I also can sit like this for hours. You don't see a lot of people sit like this, but this is actually a really good posture, I think. And then, I, then, then if I feel like I need to move again, I can simply do this again without too much distraction and kind of come back into this experience. 
The other thing is there might be some benches around. The other way to sit that actually I also like to sit is just, if you have a cushion, you can sometimes turn around its side. It's just like this. I can also sit like this for hours. The key thing is, is you want kind of your butt and your knees to be touching down. You don't want all your weight on your butt. You want, you know, actually, if you can, you want to get your hips slightly above your knees. So this way I have three points of contact. My butt's in the cushion, I have my two knees, and now I feel really stable. Um, and, of course, there's nothing I can tell you that will make you never have unpleasant sensations in the body, and that's, that's part of what we have to deal with. Standing up is also okay in the meditation hall. If you're tired or uncomfortable, you can stand up at any different time. Um, but don't try to think that, don't privilege one posture over the other. Sitting in a chair, you're just as likely to be fully liberated being sitting in a chair as you will sitting on a cushion. In fact, I really want a Buddha statue with the Buddha sitting in a chair just to have it. And Cheryl, do you want to add anything to postures? Um, you know, the thing about um, having weight on your knees is that it helps your pelvis tilt forward. So if your pelvis is tilted forward, that's just taking a lot of the pressure off your spine and your shoulders. So you, you might think about that. And that means letting your stomach pooch out. Your stomach's going to pooch out. <laughs> and you relax that front of your body. Um, and then if you're like me and you do get tension in your neck and shoulders, you might have seen me already sitting with a, something in my lap. Like You can put your hands on your... Your legs, if that, your knees, if that feels okay. But I, I also like to just sit like this, which completely, with something supporting my hands, completely takes the pressure off my shoulders. You dip your chin a little bit; it helps to naturally elevate your spine and relax the back of your neck. And when you're adjusting, which you will have to move at times, um, it's okay to move your body. It's okay to scratch your nose. These things are allowed and they're okay, but just try to be aware of things as you do it. So you're not just chasing the body around. So like if I was sitting here and I wanted to move this leg, maybe I'm sitting and I'm recognizing this leg is really sore. I keep practicing and what keeps visiting to me is the reality that this leg is very sore and I think, well, maybe I should move this leg. So then what I do is I just maybe let myself experience that for maybe a minute or two and just say, okay, like gauge the pain. Is it heat? Is it pressure? And then when I move the leg, I just will notice to myself, okay, I'm going to move the leg. And I do it very slowly and very mindfully. So I just do it with a lot of intention and I just kind of go like this. I pick it up and move something moving and move it back. And so to just move with some mindfulness and some awareness as you do it, but to not, we don't have to sit like statues. Um, take care of your body. You know, and also again, to just reiterate that you're going to, not gonna, you're never going to find the perfect ideal meditation posture, which will be pleasant all of the time. Yeah. A lot of people find that your, your, your legs fall, your feet fall asleep regularly. If that's the case, you you, you know you're get, you're cutting off the femoral artery or femoral artery, however you say that. So get a higher, sit higher up, um, or cha- change your leg posture. Uh, the, you know, sit with your knees behind you, like on the, the bench. That that can generally help with that. It's, if you get the right height of cushion, the that will resolve itself. You know, you stop.
yeah. experiencing that unpleasantness where you stand up to go walk and you're like, boom. <laughs> and if you're a little bigger, I find uh, I have to sit on two. So if you find that you're having what Cheryl just described, you might need to sit on two cushions just to get your butt a little bit higher in the air. And so if you have questions, we'll have some questions tomorrow. Today we're just going to keep it in silence and um, give some time for walking meditation instructions. So now we're just going to sit and do some guided practice around everything I just described. So now we're going to um, get into the water instead of talking about it. So just finding a way to sit that feels upright and supportive. And we'll start and end with the bell. Allowing yourself to arrive here in this present moment experience. As we all come face to face with your direct experience arising in this moment. as we come face to face with the mind, being able to recognize your ability to pay attention. And just becoming familiar with that mental tool of attention that is available and there for you in every moment. As you can feel into the reality of attention, whether it feels relaxed, at ease, restless, distracted, see if you can just make friends, cooperative attitude towards your mind, towards your attention.
and see if you can bring a quality of generosity towards your attention so that the attention isn't completely preoccupied with the mind and thoughts and past and future and concepts. And see if you can just really begin to bring your attention into the five physical senses. Feeling the temperature of the body sitting in the room. Paying attention to the body, its sensations. Sense of gravity holding you down into your chair or cushion. And I sometimes find it helpful to just say internally, there is a body, feeling the body sitting. Just beginning to access the body as a portal. The body and its five senses are your portal to be present, to be here, to connect. bringing a deep sense of attention into the body to expand, to recognize the body is breathing. See if you can recognize the moment the in-breath begins. Seeing if you can allow yourself to connect and sustain with the full length of the in-breath. Breathing in. Know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, seeing if you can sustain your attention into the full length of the out-breath. Breathing out. See if you can set a pace, a rhythm, so that the attention moves no faster than the in and out breath. 
rising and falling. Allowing yourself to recognize how soft the in and out breath are, breathing in a sense of softness, of ease, breathing out, softening. As you work with attention, also to recognize when your attention is lost in the mind, in your thoughts. An idea, a plan, a memory. We simply just recognize that with awareness. And bring our attention back into this present moment experience. Contact, making contact with the present moment experience through the body and the breath. With an attitude of generosity and cooperation, you just simply come back. back and waking up to the body, its five senses, waking up to the in-breath, to the out-breath, the temperature of the skin in the room,
moment to moment cultivating a sense of presence, of being here, I'm here. How close to the body can you get? How close to the breath can you get? Pouring the mind into the body. best you can, allowing your breathing to find its own natural rhythm of rising and falling. bringing attention to the reality, the experience of sound as an object of presence, the birds outside of the building, the leaves in the wind, hearing, waking up to sound.
If the mind sweeps you away, you just gently bring it back. And as the mind sweeps you away, you just gently bring it back and re-arrive into your present time experience through sound, breathing, using any of the many portals that you have available to connect with this present time experience. 